Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as promised, uh, we have the governor of the great state of Utah, Gary Herbert, with us. Uh, governor, thanks for joining us. And it's it's not very often that you get to be your own warm-up act. This, this, is a, this is a good day before your final let me speak with the governor. Well, it's a bittersweet time for me, Boyd, so a, a good way to end is to have an interview with you. So thank you for having me on, and uh, again, I've appreciated the last 11 and a half years as governor has been just the highlight of my life. Uh, well, you've, uh, you've led in a, in a very uh, interesting and high-growth, high-challenge uh, season for the state of Utah. It has been a, an unprecedented decade in terms of growth and opportunity, and Utah really taking its place as uh, not just a, a crossroads to the West, but crossroads to the world. Uh, so as you reflect on that, Governor, uh, what were some of the key things that has positioned the state uh, in such a great place today? Well, let me echo what you said, I, and I'll quote the Kim Gardner Institute that said, this past 10 years has been the best decade in the history of Utah. So we've done something right, and that's a credit to the people of Utah uh, that have really got good character. Uh, we lead the nation in volunteerism and charitable you know, our business entrepreneurs are extremely successful and we have a great environment here and as I reflect back you know on why it does start with the people we have good people that have got uh, their neighbors at heart they, they really do care about each other whether they know them or not we've seen that in times of adversity when you think of the wind storms we've had category one hurricane force winds makes the area look like a war zone and just like a little anthill of activity people come out start cleaning up don't wait for government getting out there helping the neighbors to get back into ship shape. That's the heart and soul of why we're successful. In addition to that, of course, we've got good policies in place. We've made this a very fertile environment for the business entrepreneur to plant their seeds in this fertile soil. We've created here by having, you know, competitive tax rates. We've had regulation reform. We empower the private sector. We, we venerate to the free market capitalism and it's really been the ism that brings most people, raises all the boats on the pond. We are the second leading state in America today for rise, raising people out of poverty. That's a credit, again, to what we do. We have the largest middle yeah. class of any state in America. I mean, there's just so many nice things that people have said about us, but it starts with the people, and that people have allowed us to put good policies in place, which allowed us to have a great quality of life. Yeah. I appreciate that, Governor. And, uh, you know, as you look at leadership, we often talk about the principles of leadership on this program. Uh, and, of course, when we look at someone who's uh, in the office of the governor, uh, everyone always says, oh, you know, things are things are great. And we really elect leaders 
to lead in the in the tough times, the hard times. Uh, and so as you look back at your 11 plus years, uh, what's a principle that you learned or a principle that you had to apply as a leader in in one of those tough situations, those challenging moments? Well, uh, as you probably recall, Boyd, um, I came into office at the depths of the Great Recession, the worst economic times in Utah's history since the Great Depression. That was a challenge, you know, what to do, what to do. Well, the first thing we did was set some goals. And the goals were to come out of the recession and not just come out, but we wanted to be the best performing economy in America and a premier business destination. That was the two things we tried to do. And we put a plan in place that allowed us to get there. Secondly, uh, we understood the need to bring everybody together to work together in a collaborative way. The spirit of cooperation is alive and well in Utah, I can tell you, better than most places in America. And uh, in doing so, uh, I approached myself personally. I'm a conservative. I'm a right-of-center conservative, but I'm moderate in tone and inclusive in process. And that's allowed us to bring people together and have a combined effort, finding common ground, common initiative, uh, common ways to do things to accomplish that goal. And by golly, we did it. Even though people originally, when I mentioned the goal would be number one in America economically, people kind of guffawed and laughed and said, hey, we're just a little old Utah. But we did it. Yeah, uh, We've had the best growth uh, economically of any state in America this last decade. And for the last three years, we've led the nation in economic expansion, per capita growth, and job creation, particularly in the private sector, which is where you want to have the growth to occur. Yeah. So um, uh, it, we should all be thankful and grateful for the successes we've had and not rest on our laurels, not be too prideful about it because we still have another a decade ahead of us. That's right. And, you know, <laughs> things like a pandemic can come in. You know, for me, as I look back, March the 1st, we had 2.3% unemployment, the lowest unemployment rate in the wow. history of Utah. And a week or two later, we're in the middle of a p- pandemic just starting up and things just like falling off the top of Mount Everest down into the valley, the economic decline. Now, the good news is we're coming out of it. We're up to 4.1% unemployment now, so we're getting better. We're, we're one of the best in the nation again. But still, you know, you you can turn on a dime. So be prepared. And that's we were. Right. That, that's part of our success. We were prepared. Oh, that's that's exactly right. And uh, it's a good thing we had these uh, mountains to practice climbing because uh, I think that helped us uh, <laughs> dig our way out there. But that's uh, right. I'm going to try to sneak in two quick questions here, Governor. Uh, first, uh, I want to ask you, what what's the most surprising lesson that you learned uh, sitting in the in the governor's chair? Oh, I don't know if, if there's anything too surprising. You're always surprised that everybody doesn't say, oh, my gosh, the wisdom of the governor. I mean, uh, uh, how wonderful is he? Uh, he? He should follow everything he says right to the letter. But, that uh, would be a surprise, right? <laughs> yes, that would be a surprise. But it is sometimes uh, the surprise is the pushback. I know this pandemic has been surprising. We have religious leaders saying to their flock, please wear a mask and, and social distance. And we have people pushing back saying, well, what do they know? And that's been a little bit of a surprise to me and uh, probably a disappointment for many. Um, we just need to treat each other with civility and respect, and, and I think uh, we'll get along fine. So yeah. I don't know if there's any major surprise. I've been, you know, before I was governor, I was lieutenant governor for four and a half years. Before that, I was yeah. a county commissioner for 14 and a half years. So uh, I don't think anything surprises me too much anymore. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, it's always uh, the, the people of Utah continue to surprise me on uh, – what they're able to do. And so just in our last 60 seconds here, Governor, uh, we always ask the therefore what question. Uh, you have been in public service, uh, have done a lot of different things. 
Uh, as people look at your career, your service to this great state, uh, what do you? What's the there for what? What's the takeaway? What do you hope people think differently, or what do you hope they do differently when they look at that? Well, it's hard for me to evaluate my own performance. That'll be left up to other people to do. But I hope people recognize that I love Utah. I love America. I think we're blessed beyond our wildest imaginations. When you sit back and count your blessings, we just, even during the pandemic, as I told my kids, this is the best time in the history of the world to live. We live in a wonderful time, and we live in the greatest nation and in the greatest state in that nation here in Utah. So I hope we don't uh, take it for granted. I hope we continue to work hard together and uh, make sure that the next decade is the best decade in the history of Utah and the decade after that. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful about the future, particularly here in Utah. Oh, fantastic. Governor Gary Herbert, uh, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. We'll let you catch your breath for uh, just a minute as we uh, take care of some news. And then, everyone, you want to stay with us as uh, we have the final Let Me Speak with the Governor uh, here on KSL News Radio with Governor Gary Herbert coming up at the top of the hour. So as you listen to the governor, as you look at leadership, as you look at this great place we call Utah, it's all about the people. And it's about everyone doing their part to make a difference. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Let me speak to the governor. Governor Gary Herbert spends one hour answering your questions. Call 801-575-8255. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio in Salt Lake City, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. It is a real pleasure for me to be able to host, especially this edition of Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Doug Wright and we mentioned that this is coming to you from the studios of KSL, and that is true in, in many senses, but also it's coming to you from the Utah State Capitol Building and the Gold Room. That's where Governor Gary Herbert is right now. I happen to be hanging out in an area of Holiday, Utah right now. We call this KSL Holiday over these past pandemic months. So it's a pleasure to have you along. We want to encourage your phone call for this final opportunity on Let Me Speak to the Governor to talk with Governor Gary Herbert at 801-575-8255. And, of course, you can also text in, as has been the tradition at 57500. It's a real pleasure and an honor for me to introduce you now to the governor of our great state, the Beehive State, Governor Gary Herbert. Governor, this is indeed an honor for me. Thank you for this opportunity. 
Well, thank you, Doug. Through the wonders of technology, we can be together and yet be apart. And I think it's only fitting. And my first Let Me Speak to the Governor was with Doug Wright. And my last Let Me Speak to the Governor is going to be with Doug Wright. So you bookended my tenure here of 11 and a half years, and I thank you for the good work you've done. And it's just an honor for me to, to be with you on this final broadcast. That is very kind of you. Toward the end of the the broadcast, and we are extending it to one fifteen. that won't technically be let me speak to the governor, but we wanted to have just a little time to talk uh, personally with um, Governor, Hunts- uh, governor Huntsman. I did that the very first time I introduced you <laughs> so many years ago. Those away, you know. That's right, uh, you know, Governor Herbert. We wanted to talk about the, uh, the legacy <laughs> of this uh, governor. Especially, uh, Governor Herbert, you will have served as governor of the great state of Utah longer than any Republican and almost as long as Calvin Rampton did. That uh, that really, uh, it, it sets a record. And, of course, if you go back into territorial days, you're talking about Brigham Young. But that's quite a notch to hold. <laughs> well, it's been an honor to serve, and it's been a very improbable journey for me. I know the kids I went to school in high school and college are still puzzled that I'm the governor. Uh, so it's been an improbable <laughs> journey. But when you add, you know, we talk about Cal Rampton, and he he surpassed him by a few months. But I served four and a half years as lieutenant governor, too. So That's service right. in the executive branch has been a good long time. It's been a great run. I've had a great experience. Uh, I've just come to, to know Utah better than I've ever known before. And I've come to appreciate the people of Utah for their goodness, for their greatness, for their willingness to, in fact, do what it takes to help their neighbor. And we have a unique quality of life here in Utah, the foundation of which is built upon the people that live here and reside here and really uh, care about this country and about their neighbor. Governor Herbert, we want to get right to the phone lines and the text lines so our Utah family has the chance to chat with you as well. And, boy, the very first people on the line. We actually have two people on the line at the same time here. From Provo, Utah, we have Wayne and Bev who would like to chat with you for a moment. Wayne and Bev, go ahead. How are you today, everybody? (laughs) We're great here. How's Wayne and Bev doing? Well, we're just fine. Um, We just want to let you know how much we appreciate your service to all the people of the state of Utah. You have been a level and very helpful governor, particularly in these tough times. We realized that there were many calls that had to be made that um, were very, very difficult. And um, each day we've been seeing. Now, luckily, I'm retired from the Salt Lake City Fire Department, and my wife and I, right after, served a mission. And anyway, we... We just really appreciate being back home again from being out of the country. And um, we just so appreciate all the service that you've rendered all of us citizens in the state of Utah. Well, thank you, Wayne. Um, I appreciate your service. My father was a fireman, uh, uh, fire chief, in fact, in the city of American Fork for about 22 years. So I have a great appreciation for firemen. For those involved in public safety, our first responders, that's significant service that we really appreciate and salute your service. Uh, and uh, I, I can tell you that we've had some tough decisions to make in this 11 and a half years. 
And one of the best things I did is I've surrounded myself with some really smart people. I've got a great team here. I would put it up against any team in America, from my chief of staff to my cabinet members, my senior staff members, uh, the, all those who work to make Utah state government effective and efficient. And they've done a great job. In fact, our efficiency quotient has gone up dramatically. We have fewer state employees today, as we all know government is labor-intensive, fewer state employees today than we had back in the year 2002. So we found ways to do more with less. We're doing more with the same. Uh, and that's in the face of about 500,000 new people calling Utah home on my, my term as governor. So, again, it's a team effort. That's probably the, part of the secrets of our success is the ability in Utah to coordinate, to collaborate, to cooperate. And so uh, we don't always agree on everything, but we come together and we get things done. So thanks for your kind remarks, and I pay tribute to all those around me for the successes that we've had. Wayne and Beth, thank you for joining us on Let Me Speak to the Governor. Let's again go to uh, Utah County, to Provo. James has a question for the Governor. James? Well, good afternoon, Doug, and good afternoon, Governor. Hi, James. Anyhow, I just want to thank you very much, Governor, for your service. I think you've done an outstanding job, and words can't describe it. My question is very simple but a bit unique. If you had a magic wand and could press a redo button on, say, January 1st, 2020, had had COVID-19 not appeared on the scene and you had a perfectly clean slate and a quote-unquote normal year, which is hard to imagine now, but if you had a normal year, what would have been the most top agenda you would have uh, focused on and hope to achieve during this year? Well, that's a great question, frankly, and, and I wished I had that magic uh, time machine, magic button I could do a do-over, because I certainly would take advantage of a do-over. 2020 is not what any of us imagined, certainly not what I imagined my last year in office would be after we've had such great success, and uh, the Kim Gardner Institute said the best decade in Utah's history, and then the 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 pandemic hit. What I've missed out on, uh, probably number one, is I had a, an aggressive schedule to go out and meet with the, our young people in school, our ele- elementary kids, our junior high and high school kids. They don't get to see a governor too often, and so I've really enjoyed doing that over the years, and I wanted to make that a big push this year. We had some trade missions that we put off. That we, you know, we speak 130 languages in Utah. We're built for international trade. We have people that leave here and go and live in foreign countries for a couple of years. They come back and speak the language, they understand the culture, and they love the people. And that sets us up for international trade in ways that we've never dreamed of. And as we mentioned a little earlier today, we've always been known as the crossroads of the West, but we've become the crossroads of the world. And so those opportunities have gone by the wayside, unfortunately. Uh, A lot of things that we could have done and would have done have had to be postponed, and unfortunately... There is no next year for me in that, in that regard. So some of these things will be picked up by uh, Governor-elect Spencer Cox. I don't think there's going to be a significant change as far as our goals that we have. There may be some different directions and different ways to get there. But, uh, it's you know, I, I feel badly about this. But, you know, I came in in the depths of the Great Recession. Uh, I feel good about us pulling that out of that. I feel good about where we are with the, with the pandemic. Uh, we're certainly on across the finish line, but I see us turning the corner now. The daylight at the end of the tunnel phrase we use all the time now with the vaccine showing up. And I think 2021 is going to be the year of recovery. And I think by summertime we'll, in fact, be in full-blown recovery. And 
people breathe a sigh of relief and, and look forward with great hope and optimism for the coming uh, years. So I'm very optimistic about Utah. If Utah was a stock and I was your stock broker, I would say buy. It's a great value. <laughs> James, thank you for joining us. And it just wouldn't be let me speak to the governor without hearing James's voice. Let's go to Megan, who is on Provo. We'll, in Provo, we will squeak this phone call in quickly, and then we'll need to take a very brief break. The number to call again is 801-575-8255. Megan, what's your question for the governor? Hi, Governor Herbert. Um, I'm, my question is, when will the mask mandate be lifted? Or, more importantly, when will, when do you think Utah will return back to normal? That's a a great question. Everybody wants to know that. And my crystal ball is a little foggy as far as knowing exactly when. But I know the trend is right. We're moving in the right direction. I think that Spencer Cox will have to analyze when to take off the statewide mask mandate. Clearly that will happen as our case numbers go down and our transmission rates. As we get the hospitals and our health care systems out of jeopardy, which they're in right now, from the very beginning, we said the worst thing that can happen is to overwhelm our health care system. That leads to more severe hospitalization and, and more uh, health care problems and, of course, leading to death. So um, with the vaccine coming, I think everybody will have the opportunity to receive some vaccinations by spring. Everybody should take advantage of that opportunity. That will start slowing the spread down and make us more confident about getting together socially. Uh, and so I think by summer we'll be in full-blown recovery, and I think the mask mandate sometime between now and then will, in fact, be maybe moved to voluntary compliance. Um, we all still need to be careful about this issue, even though we have the vaccine here. But 2021 is the year of recovery, so I'm very optimistic about that happening soon. On that note, let's uh, do take a brief break. When we come back, we've got quite a few people who have had questions on our text line. We also have more uh, calls to take at 801-575-8255. This is the final episode of Let Me Speak to the Governor with Governor Gary Herbert here on KSL News Radio. I'm Doug Wright. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. What's your question for Governor Herbert? Call 801-575-8255. This is Let Me Speak to the Governor. Don't forget, you can also text us, uh, text us at 57500. The reason I said Texas right there, we are getting quite a few people, Governor, uh, several on the, the phone line uh, and a text here and there, asking about the situation just a week or so ago where Utah, through our Attorney General Sean Reyes, signed on to the Texas lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, of course, unanimously threw that out. A texter probably asked it best when uh, this person said, will you ask the governor if he can explain A.G. Reyes? (laughs) Well, uh, I know Sean very well. We've known each other from way before he became attorney general. He's been involved in the political arena for a long time and now as an elected official, he's independent. In that regard, that's how the system is here in Utah. Some systems have the governor appoint the attorney general to make sure that they're on the same page. That's certainly how we do it with the president of the United States, and he appoints his attorney general. 
That being said, uh, we've had a good working relationship in the past. We would meet on a monthly basis to see what the lawsuits are, and so I was not blindsided and was up to speed and could ask questions to find out what the legal theories were and what the motivations were and what was happening in the, in the courts. Unfortunately, this didn't happen with this one. Uh, we were notified really about the same time, in fact, maybe a minute or two after he'd filed the, the lawsuit. So we didn't know. We were blindsided about it. We don't know what the legal theories were. And my first reaction was, well, gee, I wish I had known because I don't know if we even have standing. And I'm not even an attorney. And so as it, as it proved out, we didn't have standing. Texas didn't have standing. And uh, so I just thought it was kind of an exercise in futility and we could spend our times on better things. But that's, we don't all agree on everything. That's just life. Uh, my wife and I don't agree on everything, but she still loves me just the same, she tells me. So we respect differences. Uh, we allow for differences. And, you know, as an elected official, he'll have to answer the, to, to why he did that to his constituents. And some will think it was good to do, and some are going to say think it was just a waste of time and grandstanding. Here's another text, and we have also had a phone call on this as well, Governor. Uh, this person said, when do teachers get their bonuses? And as a teacher myself, I think it would be fair that the Salt Lake City School District get money as well, even though they're teaching online. I think it's harder to teach online than at times it is in the classroom. I've done them both, this person said. I've been teaching in the classroom this year, and I've been grateful, but it's hard to teach online. This was something that was discussed a little earlier here on KSL, and the Speaker of the House uh, was on to talk about the legislator's uh, point of view on this. What are your thoughts on this? Should Salt Lake City be excluded, and when will teachers get their bonus? Well, I know that Spencer Cox, the governor-elect, uh, made a proposal. He's been talking about is his budget rollout to propose giving bonuses to the teachers. And I know he had Karen Peterson, who's our education director, actually prepare a policy statement and, and how that would fit into our budget. I know she's taken that to the speaker and the president, and the legislature's had, a, I think, a, an opportunity to listen to that and have bought into that concept. Uh, I understand the frustration that, that we have with uh, schools not being open. And I think for some, particularly the minorities uh, in the west side of, the, of Salt Lake City and the Salt Lake City School District are really, there's some frustration on, for everybody about why is school not open. And uh, there's been some dysfunctionality, it appears. I think that's caused people's ire to be raised. I think it'll be worked out. I, I, I'm inclined to say if you're a teacher, you deserve the bonus. If we're going to give it to one, we give it to all. Uh, I don't know that there's any reason to exclude uh, one that is doing online versus some that are doing in class, and some teachers are doing both uh, with the worst of all worlds. Um, so, again, I, I know the process will be that that will be proposed. Uh, the Spencer's idea and, the, and the, with the agreement of the legislature will be proposed in the legislature this coming January. They'll decide how much money to spend. That's their, their job. They control all the dollars and where they're going to be spent. And I think that discussion will happen. I think Salt Lake City would like to open up, and I hope that they do. I think that's the right thing to do. I think you can do it with protocols in place. We're finding at least our data shows us that a safe, less risky environment is, in fact, at school, where you have appropriate supervision and people are wearing masks and social distancing as they're able. The worst environment is home in the casual 
um, uh, interactions that we have, particularly our young people, and particularly those in junior high and high school, uh, that's where we are, in fact, having an increase in infection rates. So uh, it's actually better to be in school. We have uh, John, who is on the line up in Ogden, Utah. And, John, go ahead with your question for the governor. Yeah, thanks, Doug and Governor. I, I really appreciate talking to you guys over the years here. I just, you know, the AG really just, I think, disgraced us as as Utah. And I just wanted to know, I, I, I appreciate you coming out against it pretty forcefully. Have you maybe reached out to the president-elect Biden and reemphasize that that's not all of Utah that did that? Because we were kind of part of those 17 AGs he singled out in that speech and we do have a half a million people that voted for him in this state. I just want to know if maybe you could reach out and just let them know that there's not the hard feelings there over that, um, because it was an authoritarian move that's unprecedented in this country. And uh, I just wanted to ask you that, and I do appreciate everything you've done. Well, thank you, John. Uh, I have talked to uh, President-elect Biden. I knew him well when he was the vice president. We've had a lot of interactions in, uh, over the years. Uh, I consider him a friend. Uh, we don't necessarily agree on our politics. Uh, he's left of center. I'm right of center. But we understand the importance of America and the Constitution and respecting the peoples and the differences that are out there. I don't think that, uh, that he would uh, hold anything in a grudge against Utah because of the, the lawsuit. I, I, I think he's a better, bigger and better man than that. Um, but I have had the opportunity to talk about Utah with him and, and the role that we play, and particularly uh, some of the issues that uh, he's going to be confronted with in the Intermountain West. This is where most of the public lands are at. This is where uh, the national parks are at, most of them, or at least a higher percentage of them. We have, we're the, have the highest number here with, with five in, in Utah. It's where most of the BTUs of energy are developed. And so those are key issues for it, that, for his administration, for all administrations. And Utah has a role to play of kind of a common sense approach to all of that. And so I hope that we have an opportunity as a state to work with, the, with uh, uh, President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. The Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, uh, Kamala Harris has uh, actually quoted me twice on conference calls that they've had with governors uh, most recently just yesterday. So um, the, the quote she used yesterday was, if, as I said to them, if all the states are healthy, if all the states are doing good, then the country's doing good. So look to the governors of the respective 50 states and five territories, empower them, uh, and we'll have a healthy country. And so uh, I look forward to those opportunities that st the state of Utah will have to work with uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. I think there will be a role for us to play Democrat and Republican. You're listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. This will be the final episode of Let Me Speak to the Governor with Governor Gary Herbert. And when we come back, we'll continue to take your phone calls and uh, share some of the texts that are coming in as well. And then at 105, we'll just have a few moments with the governor to talk about uh, his time in office, what, what his plans are next, and more. So stay with us here at KSL News Radio. Let me speak to the governor. 
Governor Gary Herbert spends one hour answering your questions. Call 801-575-8255. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio in Salt Lake City, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. What a great opportunity for Utahns to talk with the governor of the state of Utah on Let Me Speak to the Governor. This one is particularly poignant. It is the final episode that will include Governor Gary Herbert. Uh, I have to tell you, Governor, we're getting a little bit of a love fest on our text line here. This person said, Governor Herbert, I usually vote Democrat, but have really admired your calm, reasonableness and informed voice through this pandemic. I appreciate your leadership. This person said, I just want to personally thank Governor Herbert for his outstanding and humble leadership. He has been the quintessential father of Utah and has served admirably. Uh, This is probably the most important text that we have. And it's, is this is Governor Herbert's last, let me speak to the governor, will Governor-elect Spencer Cox plan to continue the tradition? Now that's an important question. I cannot imagine uh, that uh, Spencer would not want to continue the tradition of let me speak to the governor. I can tell you uh, it's an honor for the governor to speak to the people and an opportunity for me to listen and to learn. Uh, I've learned a lot on these occasions and to kind of gauge you know, how things are going out there in the marketplace. So I'm sure that Spencer will want to continue uh, uh, the, this tradition. I think he wants to, and he should. And it's 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 a good thing for him. It's a good thing for the people of Utah to hear the governor, kind of unrehearsed and spontaneous. I just had a little uh, voice whisper in my ear that the answer to that is absolutely he will will yeah. continue that. I figured yeah. that was part of the endorsement thing. You know, I'm sure you told Spencer Cox, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to endorse you, you've got to continue. Let me speak to uh, the governor. Yeah, certainly as long as KSL is willing to do it. <laughs> And particularly if Doug Wright will show up occasionally and help MC. So, and by the way, I appreciate the, those kind notes out there. It sounds like a lot of my family are getting online and saying some nice <laughs> things about me. And uh, and probably the father of the state, uh, you know, they're making fun of my age now. But uh, it's it's it truly has been an honor to serve and and. Uh, it, it, the, the, we have just wonderful people. I mean, I, I hope we don't take for granted the wonderful place that we live. We have people with integrity and character, uh, honest. Um, you know, they're charitable giving, number one in America, number one in volunteerism. All the things that we would like to have as part of the, our neighbors we find here in Utah. And that's why people are coming here in droves. We're the fastest growing state in America. And it's not because of our birth rate anymore. That's actually going down. People like to come here. They like to live by the people of Utah. They like to work with the people of Utah. This is a desirable place to come and live, to raise families, and to do business. I mentioned that the governor is on Capitol Hill in the Capitol Building in the Gold Room. I'm broadcasting from Holiday, Utah today, and I have to get John on because he's a fellow Holiday resident, apparently. And, John, what's your question for the governor? My question is, first of all, uh, Governor, you can be known as the, the grandfather of Utah, and Governor-elect Cox can be the father now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. It fits our age yeah, group. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I just want to, from from my family and myself, just to, to thank you for your dedication, your service for all these many years. Uh, you've done an awesome job, and it will not be forgotten. My thank my you. question, two-part, two is what is the – uh, what is the one event in the in your governorship 
that uh, will be your legacy? What is the one thing that is the capstone that you found? The second thing is, what was the most interesting event that you got involved with as governor? Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I ought to write a book, and uh, I've actually been approached by doing that and kind of writing some of my memoirs about my memorable events. There's been a lot of them. It's been a very un- improbable journey for me, frankly. I've never anticipated running for office ever growing up. It's just kind of a, uh, a unique situation that's happened to me that got me involved in politics. But that being said, as I look at all the wonderful events, you know, that have taken place, uh, uh, probably the one, and I, I would be the last one to say, what's my legacy? That'll be for somebody else to decide. But I do feel very uh, grateful for the success we've had economically. I do believe every elected official should focus on the economy. It's how you pay the bills. Uh, it, it's how you, in fact, pay for education. It's how you pay for the roads and, and construction infrastructures. how you develop water opportunities. It's how you, in fact, provide uh, health and human services. A healthy a growing economy is the rising tide that raises all boats on the pond. And that's worked very well in Utah to the point we have the largest middle class of any state in America. We've raised more people out of poverty. We're number two right now for, for the lowest poverty rate in America. Uh, we have the American dream alive and well here. Bloomberg News talked about the American dream alive and well in Utah of upward mobility, which better here than any place in America. So that's certainly something I'm proud of, and I think that should continue. I, again, every elected official ought to focus first on the economy, and everything else kind of falls into place. Uh, as far as events uh, that I, uh, you know, uh, memorable, uh, you know, there's just so many of them. It's hard to single out one, but one that I know that I, I was surprised about that people keep bringing up, particularly as I'm introduced, is my guest appearance in Sharknado 3. <laughs> so I know Doug in the movie show they probably have reviewed that two or three times it's been so popular and the um, Sharknado I protected the city of Salt Lake the capital here by uh, attacking the sharks there in their invasion with my Andre Agassi tennis racket and so that's been an event that uh, I know when my kids heard I was going to be doing it they my, one of them said to me dad your political career is over if you're doing Sharknado 3 and yet it's became kind of a a cult following and a unique thing of people have introduced me around the country by showing that clip from the Sharknado. And so that's been kind of an interesting event. Um, that's probably not the one that we're going to put in the diary about the highlight of my term, but it's certainly one that's been memorable. That was a four star. That was on the movie show. <laughs> it, it, it went to great acclaim and it's only rated. Well, it had a little violence, so it might be PG. I, I think yeah. for sure. Well, you know, I'm surprised governor that you didn't mention this one. When you and the First Lady were flying around on wires during the Governor's Gala a few years back. Now, that was spectacular. You know, that was another interesting event. We had jugglers that were tremendously capable and fun and funny and really talented jugglers. And uh, they kind of got involved in in show business as a fluke, too. Uh, They didn't uh, plan on it, but they were very good at it. And next thing you know, they're making money at it, and they become big time. And one of the juggling acts was to have us suspended from wires, and they would juggle us uh, almost like a braid, you know, braiding hair around. And and, uh, it was kind of a unique situation. And uh, I know that the people watching this sure enjoyed it. (laughs) I'm not sure that we had as much fun up there in those jumpsuits they had us wired into, but... It was a fun event. Our, our Governor Gators, I, I need to give a shout-out to my wife, the First Lady Jeanette. 
Um, we've had sp- spectacular governor's galas, and they've been spectacular because of uh, we've had virtually all Utah talent. We've had a couple of variations of that, but over these last 11 years, we've showcased Utah talent, which has been Broadway caliber talent. We've had some wonderful performances, and uh, and it's been a fun time to bring people together. And we had a cross section of our uh, people across the state would come to the gala, and uh, it's been a kind of a fun thing. Unfortunately, this year we had to kind of do a different uh, approach because of the pandemic. But uh, that's been a fun thing that we've been involved with uh, these past 11 years. Let's take a a brief break at this point. And when we come back, I was noticing that uh, Mark in Sandy has a very important question about the uh, vaccines and, and so on. So that's coming up next on the final episode of Let Me Speak to the Governor with Governor Gary Herbert. Stay with us. What's your question for Governor Herbert? Call 801-575-8255. This is Let Me Speak to the Governor. It's a real honor for me to be able to host this uh, final edition of Let Me Speak to the Governor with Governor Gary Herbert. As the governor mentioned at the beginning of the program, uh, we did the very, very first one together so many years ago. And, Governor, we so appreciate you joining us again today. Let's uh, go right back to our phone line. And this is actually a question that I had anticipated much earlier in the program, but let's go to Mark, who's on the line in Sandy. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you? Doing Good. Well. How are you doing, Mark? Welcome. Good, Governor. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, pose my question. It, it is COVID-related, and uh, so I've listened for months about the science and, and the data and how it has taught us that uh, – those that are most vulnerable to death from COVID or those that are uh, older in their years and those that have underlying health conditions. And I've also listened to the arguments about uh, how it's safe to keep schools open and so on and so forth. And then I find that uh, the state of Utah has chosen to push groups of people uh, up on the priority list uh, ahead of those that are most vulnerable to losing their lives. And uh, that's quite disturbing to me, and I would like to know why we are choosing to do that. Well, it's not an easy decision to make, but I think you'll find across the country there's universal support for those frontline health care workers. We've got to have people that actually treat those, not just those who die. We have a very low incident of death here in Utah, 20% lower than the national average, but it's still about a half a percent. Uh, and But we have a lot of people that go to hospitals and get sick. And so it seemed to be good sense to take care of those folks first. So the frontline health care providers are the first ones getting vaccinated. And that will take place over the next uh, two or three weeks. Uh, we have 100 and fi- uh, see 154,000 plus doses of vaccines. That will help us to get the healthcare providers taken care of. And and again, keep in mind, there's uh, it's a double shot, so you got a the prime shot, and then you have a booster shot that they'll get sometime in January. Uh, but right after that will be teachers, and then the vulnerable populations. Now. The Unified Command is trying to analyze how that's going to be determined. What is the determination of vulnerable? We do know, as you've pointed out, 
that those who are older tend to be have a more severe reaction and certainly our death rates are much higher. In fact, 75% of all those who've died uh, are over the age of 70. And so they tend to be more susceptible. It's just probably not surprising to any of us. The younger people are less susceptible to severity. But we also do have severe reactions, even though people don't die. And we, have, we don't understand all there is to know about COVID. Uh, we call them the long haulers, but we have people that still don't have their sense of smell and taste back. I have a granddaughter that is nauseated at the smell of food, a 13-year-old teenager, young, and losing weight. Uh, we have people that have neurological issues, uh, have forgetfulness. Uh, we have heart and lung diseases. My general counsel has it, had it three months ago, and still gets winded going upstairs, and he's a former marathon runner. So we don't know all there is to know. We're still learning about this. But the Unified Command is going to try to do the best we can to get vaccinations to everybody as soon as possible. We want everybody to have the opportunity to be vaccinated. And certainly the vulnerable populations will be at the top of the list. Let's take a phone call from Salt Lake City. And John has a question for Governor Herbert. John, go ahead. Hello? Hey, John. Yes, John, go ahead. Hello. Yes, sorry. So I'm trying to be as concise as possible. It's like I... Applied for, I'm self-employed as a contractor. I applied for the pandemic insurance in the spring, or as soon as it came available. I'm concerned with this recent reassessment where I just get the email yesterday. Tried to contact uh, Department of Workforce Services. I only got through on chat, and they said, "Oh yes, contractors are not eligible. You might have to pay back the entire amount." Now I was very grateful for that money because it helped me. Uh, pay rent and food earlier this year. And I had understood that that was what the pandemic insurance was for, was for those of us that lost work as contractors where we can't take advantage of regular unemployment insurance. Um, So I don't know if I need to be concerned, uh, if I get inaccurate information, or uh, what what you can say about that, Governor. Well, thank you. I don't know that I know the answer to your particular unique problem, but I can get an answer for you. So if you'll jot down this number, area code 801-538-1000, and uh, uh, ask for constituent services and uh, state your situation, I'm going to have people with the insurance uh, department here talk to you personally. And so just reference this phone call, and the constituent services will push this down the line to me. We'll get you in touch with our insurance people. And we'll see exactly what your options are and make sure that you have good information you can count on. 538-1000. We appreciate your phone call. What was that number again, Governor? Area code 801-538-1000. Easy to remember, ask for constituent services. Let's take a phone call from uh, Bob, who's on the line in Syracuse. He's on line three. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, appreciate the chance uh, to participate, Governor. Thank you. Um, my, my question was um, about daycare workers getting the vaccine with the teachers. Um, my my wife runs a daycare out of our home, and we have you know five or six families at least that bring their kids here. Some of them are teachers, and she won't close, even though we're kind of at high risk because it's such a hardship on them. And so um, I just wondered, I haven't heard anything about when daycare workers could get vaccines. So, You know, I, um, I, have, I haven't either, Bob. Let me just say, um, having owned a daycare business for 23 years, you know, I know a little bit about the business. Um, 
at, at any rate, uh, uh, the goal for us as a state is to make sure that we get the vaccines that are being produced in as in large enough quantity that everybody can be vaccinated. We'd like to vaccinate everybody today. But obviously that's not going to be practical. It's going to have to be a kind of a crescendo and a ramping up of the supply and then deploying it so that people can get in the queue and get in and get uh, vaccinated. I I have not heard anybody talk about uh, daycare, home daycare businesses, and that's probably as a a legitimate concern and a question. Uh, What's the difference between daycare centers and teachers there as opposed to school teachers? And um, so uh, I will bring that to our unified command. I know they're trying to deal with all these naughty issues. Everybody would like to get to the head of the line if they can. And unfortunately, that can't happen. So we're going to have to have some kind of orderly ability to disperse the vaccinations so that everybody who wants to have one can get one. Again, as I've said earlier, that I think can happen by March, April uh, time frame. But I will make sure and take that your concern about daycare centers, which I have some knowledge about and I have uh, a concern with because we had that as a family business for 23 years uh, and see what the Unified Command says about that. We only have uh, about a minute left on the program, but I think we can squeak this in very, very quickly. Alan in American Fork, a quick question for the governor. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Governor. Uh, Thank you, Alan. Governor Herbert. Will you run for governor, or will you run for something beyond governor? Do you have aspirations for at the federal level? Uh, you need to ask my wife about that. I think she has the veto power on that. I never say never, but I have no intention right now, no aspiration to do something else. Uh, I think for most uh, for most governors, because you're so active at getting things done, to go back to Washington, for example, uh, where things don't happen very rapidly, it's like slower than cold molasses, uh, is almost a step backward. And so um, I, I don't know what the future brings. I have no plans. I've got a center down at Utah Valley University called the Gary Herbert Center for Public Policy that I'm going to be working on. That's going to consume most of my time here in 2021. Uh, but who knows what's around the next corner. I'm like Yogi Bear. I hate to make predictions, particularly about the future. That's the official part of Let Me Speak to the Governor coming to a conclusion. We want to thank Governor Gary Herbert for answering questions for the last hour, but we are going to continue. We're going to have a little chat with uh, Governor Herbert, and that will be right after our news here at the top of the hour here at KSL News Radio. A few uh, thoughts that I had that I wanted to uh, discuss with Governor Herbert. So stay with us. More to come until uh, from 105 to about 115. We'll continue our conversation with Governor Gary. Gary Herbert, stay with me. Today, let me speak to the governor. Governor Gary Herbert spends one hour answering your questions. Call 801-575-8255. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio in Salt Lake City, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. It is a real pleasure for me to be able to host, especially this edition of Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Doug Wright, and we mentioned that this is coming to you from the studios of KSL, and that is true in in many senses, but also it's coming to you from the Utah State Capitol Building and the Gold Room. That's where Governor Gary Herbert is right now. I happen to be hanging out in an area of Holiday, Utah right now. We call this KSL Holiday over these past pandemic months. So it's a pleasure to have you along. 
We want to encourage your phone call for this final opportunity on Let Me Speak to the Governor to talk with Governor Gary Herbert at 801-575-8255. And, of course, you can also text in, as has been the tradition at 57500. It's a real pleasure and an honor for me to introduce you now to the governor of our great state, the Beehive State, Governor Gary Herbert. Governor, this is indeed an honor for me. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you, Doug. Through the wonders of technology, we can be together and yet be apart. And I think it's only fitting. And my first Let Me Speak to the Governor was with Doug Wright. And my last Let Me Speak to the Governor is going to be with Doug Wright. So you bookended my tenure here of 11 and a half years, and I thank you for the good work you've done. And it's just an honor for me to be with you on this final broadcast. That is very kind of you. Toward the end of the of the broadcast, and we are extending it to one fifteen. that won't technically be let me speak to the governor, but we wanted to have just a little time to talk uh, personally with um, Governor, Huntsman, uh, governor Huntsman. I did that the very first time I introduced you <laughs> so many years ago. Getting away, you know. That's right, uh, you know, Governor Herbert. We wanted to talk about the, uh, the legacy <laughs> of this uh, governor. Especially, uh, Governor Herbert, you will have served as governor of the great state of Utah longer than any Republican and almost as long as Calvin Rampton did. That uh, that really, uh, it, it sets a record. And, of course, you know, if you go back into territorial days, you're talking about Brigham Young. But that's quite a notch to hold. <laughs> well, it's been an honor to serve, and it's been a very improbable journey for me. I know the kids I went to school in high school and college are still puzzled that I'm the governor. Uh, so it's been an improbable <laughs> journey. But when you add, you know, we talk about Cal Rampton, and he he surpassed him by a few months. But I served four and a half years as lieutenant governor, too. So That's service right. in the executive branch has been a good long time. It's been a great run. I've had a great experience. Uh, I've just come to, to know Utah better than I've ever known before. And I've come to appreciate the people of Utah for their goodness for their greatness, for their willingness to, in fact, do what it takes to help their neighbor. And we have a unique quality of life here in Utah, the foundation of which is built upon the people that live here and reside here and really uh, care about this country and about their neighbor. Governor Herbert, we want to get right to the phone lines and the text lines so our Utah family has the chance to chat with you as well. And, boy, the very first people on the line. We actually have two people on the line at the same time here. From Provo, Utah, we have Wayne and Bev who would like to chat with you for a moment. Wayne and Bev, go ahead. How are you today, everybody? (laughs) We're great here. How's Wayne and Bev doing? Well, we're just fine. Um, We just want to let you know how much we appreciate your service to all the people of the state of Utah. You have been a level and very helpful governor, particularly in these tough times. We realized that there were many calls that had to be made that um, were very, very difficult. And um, each day we've been seeing. Now, luckily, I'm retired from the Salt Lake City Fire Department, and my wife and I, right after, served a mission. And anyway, we... We just really appreciate being back home again from being out of the country. And um, we just so appreciate all the service that you've rendered all of us citizens in the state of Utah. 
Well, thank you, Wayne. Um, I appreciate your service. My father was a fireman, uh, uh, fire chief, in fact, in the city of American Fork for about 22 years. So I have a great appreciation for firemen, for those involved in public safety, our first responders. That's significant service that we really appreciate and salute your service. Uh, And uh, I, I can tell you that we've had some tough decisions to make in this 11 and a half years. And one of the best things I did is I've surrounded myself with some really smart people. I've got a great team here. I would put it up against any team in America for my chief of staff, to my cabinet members, my senior staff members, uh, the, all those who work to make Utah state government effective and efficient. And they've done a great job. In fact, our efficiency quotient has gone up dramatically. We have fewer state employees today. As we all know, government is labor intensive. Fewer state employees today than we had back in the year 2002. So we found ways to do more with less. We're doing more with the same. Uh, and that's in the face of about 500,000 new people calling Utah home on my, my term as governor. So, again, it's a team effort. That's probably the, part of the secrets of our success is the ability in Utah to coordinate, to collaborate, to cooperate. And so uh, we don't always agree on everything, but we come together and we get things done. So thanks for your kind remarks, and I pay tribute to all those around me for the successes that we've had. Wayne and Beth, thank you for joining us on Let Me Speak to the Governor. Let's again go to uh, Utah County, to Provo. James has a question for the Governor. James? Well, good afternoon, Doug, and good afternoon, Governor. Hi, James. Anyhow, I just want to thank you very much, Governor, for your service. I think you've done an outstanding job, and words can't describe it. My question is very simple, but a bit unique. If you had a magic wand and could press a redo button on, say, January 1st, 2020, had had COVID-19 not appeared on the scene, and you had a perfectly clean slate and a quote-unquote normal year, which is hard to imagine now, but if you had a normal year, what would have been the most top agenda you would have uh, focused on and hope to achieve during this year? Well, that's a great question, frankly, and, and I wished I had that magic uh, time machine, magic button. I could do a do-over because I certainly would take advantage of a do-over. 2020 is not what any of us imagined, certainly not what I imagined my last year in office would be after we've had such great success. And uh, the Kim Gardner Institute said the best decade in Utah's history. And then the 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 pandemic hit. What I've missed out on, uh, probably number one, is I had a, an aggressive schedule to go out and meet with the, our young people in school, our ele- elementary kids, our junior high and high school kids. They don't get to see a governor too often, and so I've really enjoyed doing that over the years, and I wanted to make that a big push this year. We had some trade missions that we put off. That we, you know, we speak 130 languages in Utah. We're built for international trade. We have people that leave here and go and live in foreign countries for a couple of years, they come back and speak the language, they understand the culture, and they love the people. And that sets us up for international trade in ways that we've never dreamed of. And as we mentioned a little earlier today, we've always been known as the crossroads of the West, but we've become the crossroads of the world. And so those opportunities have gone by the wayside, unfortunately. A lot of things that we could have done and would have done have had to be postponed, and unfortunately... There is no next year for me in that, in that regard. So some of these things will be picked up by uh, Governor-elect Spencer Cox. I don't think there's going to be a significant change as far as our goals that we have. There may be some different directions and different ways to get there. But, uh, it's you know, I, I feel badly about this. But 
you know, I came in in the depths of the Great Recession. Uh, I feel good about us pulling that out of that. I feel good about where we are with the, with the pandemic. Uh, we're certainly on across the finish line, but I see us turning the corner now. The daylight at the end of the tunnel phrase we use all the time now with the vaccine showing up. And I think 2021 is going to be the year of recovery. And I think by summertime we'll, in fact, be in full-blown recovery. And people breathe a sigh of relief and, and look forward with great hope and optimism for the coming uh, years. So I'm very optimistic about Utah. If Utah was a stock and I was your stockbroker, I would say buy. It's a great value. <laughs> James, thank you for joining us. And it just wouldn't be let me speak to the governor without hearing James's voice. Let's go to Megan, who is on Provo. We'll, in Provo, we will squeak this phone call in quickly, and then we'll need to take a very brief break. The number to call again is 801-575-8255. Megan, what's your question for the governor? Hi, Governor Herbert. Um, I'm, my question is when... Will the mask mandate be lifted? Or more importantly, when will, when do you think Utah will return back to normal, quote-unquote, normal? That's a great question. Everybody wants to know that. And my crystal ball is a little foggy as far as knowing exactly when. But I know the trend is right. We're moving in the right direction. I think that Spencer Cox will have to analyze when to take off the statewide mask mandate. Clearly that will happen as our case numbers go down and our transmission rates. As we get the hospitals and our health care systems out of jeopardy, which they're in right now, from the very beginning we said the worst thing that can happen is to overwhelm our health care system. That leads to more severe hospitalization and, and more uh, health care problems and, of course, leading to death. So... Um, with the vaccine coming, I think everybody will have the opportunity to receive some vaccinations by spring. Everybody should take advantage of that opportunity. That will start slowing the spread down and make us more confident about getting together socially. Uh, and so I think by summer we'll be in full-blown recovery, and I think the mask mandate sometime between now and then will, in fact, be maybe moved to voluntary compliance. Um, we all still need to be careful about this issue, even though we have the vaccine here. But 2021 is the year of recovery, so I'm very optimistic about that happening soon. On that note, let's uh, do take a brief break. When we come back, we've got quite a few people who have had questions on our text line. We also have more uh, calls to take at 801-575-8255. This is the final episode of Let Me Speak to the Governor with Governor Gary Herbert here on KSL News Radio. I'm Doug Wright. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.